You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. Thanks, Lee. Uh, so, yeah, as Lee said, if you don't know, my, my name's Rob. Uh, I'm part of the leadership team here at Oasis, and it's good to be able to share with you uh, this morning. So, uh, it's been a week of revelations, hasn't it? Uh, I guess the big news story, if I can just get this to come on. So, the big news story, of course, is the appointment of Claudio Ranieri as the manager of Watford. Um, that's the one that's really grabbed our attention. Uh, but you may also have noticed uh, this story. What's, what's that about? Well, split infinitives, if you want to get technical. Yeah, what, what else? Um, what's the story? Pete? Yes, Captain Kirk is finally going into space. Um, assuming he lives to the end of the month. He's getting on a bit now. But uh, he's going up with uh, Jeff Bezos in his um, Blue Origin rocket. Uh, and then, of course, there was uh, this story, which probably was the big story, really, uh, the Pandora Papers. So these, uh, these revelations, these leaked documents and emails uh, exposing corruption, tax avoidance, other dodgy dealings by some very wealthy people. And I wonder if you think about those stories, probably not so much the first one, but those second two uh, stories, how does it make you feel when you think about the boss of Amazon sending a rocket up into space, or you think of all the stuff that's come out uh, in the Pandora Papers, how does it make you feel? A bit cross, right? Yeah. Powerless, Powerless. yeah. Anything else? Right, yeah, a different world, a sense that they're living in a different world, yeah. Deceived, yeah. Yeah, lots of different emotions that can sort of swirl around when we hear these stories. Perhaps they sort of wash over us. Perhaps we've just got enough other stuff going on in life and we don't even really notice, which is, which is fine. But it's very easy, isn't it, I think, when we, when we come across these stories to just feel a bit resigned or a bit cynical about the whole thing. What else do we expect, after all? It's the way the world works, isn't it, it seems. The rich get richer to the extent that they can hire the best lawyers and accountants to cover up their, their dodgy dealings so that they can get richer still, so they can spend millions on vanity projects, and the rest of us just get left behind. Easy to just say, well, what can we do? It's just the way the world is. We just need to get on with our lives. But what if it doesn't have to be that way? What if it doesn't have to be like this? Last month, we began this series of talks which are going to run up to Christmas based around Mark's gospel and asking this what-if question. We're trying to take these stories of Jesus and use them as a kind of an inspiration, really, an encouragement to us to, to dream dreams, to think and to act differently, to ask questions of ourselves and the world around us. And so today... We're asking the question, what if the rich don't have to get richer? And this what if was inspired by uh, some words of Jesus in Mark chapter 4. It's a passage which on the face of it maybe seems a little unlikely and a little unexpected. But let's just uh, read what it says. Mark 1 verses 21 to 25. Jesus said to them, to his disciples, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? 
Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So at first glance, that's, that's quite a difficult passage to listen to, to read, isn't it? Because it seems to suggest that this morning's what-if question is actually a bit of a non-starter. Because it seems as if Jesus is saying, well, actually that is the way the world is. The rich do get richer, the poor get poorer. That's just the way it is, and so we need, to, we need to get used to that fact, and we need to play the game. We need to make sure that our lives are heading in the right direction. As I was thinking about this, I was, I was picturing escalators, one going up, one going down. We need to make sure we're heading on the upward escalator rather than the downward one. Life is a zero-sum game, and we need to learn how to play the rules. That seems to be what Jesus is saying, and that's that tends to be the traditional interpretation of this passage. And so it's one of those passages in the Gospels which we kind of quickly move on from. The bit before it is quite nice, and the bit after it's quite nice, and the beginning of Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the sower, which is quite a nice one as well, and we know that one. So it's one of those little bits of the Gospels that it's quite easy to say, oh, I don't like that, but I don't really understand it, so let's put it to one side. But if Jesus did say this, and if it does mean what it seems to mean, and if we want to take seriously what Jesus said, then I suggest that we just stop right now. We just take a few moments just to feel the disappointment, and then we go shopping, or do whatever it is it takes to numb the pain. Because if the kingdom of God really is only just a way of talking about how we kind of get by in life, a kind of private spirituality which doesn't offer us an alternative vision of the world, then I'm not sure it's worth it. I think there are probably better things to do. So if that's what Jesus meant, that's not good news, I don't think. But I've got more than one page of notes in front of me which suggests that I think there is a different way of looking at this, that it is worth carrying on this morning. Uh, if you do want to go shopping, of course you're welcome to, but I, 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 just please stay for a little bit longer. That would be good. So let's have another look at these verses, these, these words of Jesus. We know that interpreting the Bible is a challenge, and sometimes we come to passages like this which are particularly challenging, which seem to say things which are hard to hear, not just because they impact us and they challenge us, but because they seem to contradict what we've always understood. They seem to contradict other parts of the Bible. So interpreting the Bible is a challenge, and the first challenge to overcome is actually in translating the text of the Bible. This is a, a, an image of, uh, this is a, from a manuscript called the Codex Sinaiticus. It's the oldest complete text of the New Testament that we have. It goes back to the 4th century. Um, and this, uh, this uh, image is showing us part of Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 4 is up there in the top um, left-hand corner uh, is Mark chapter 4, the passage that we've been looking at this morning. So what do you notice about that? Apart from the fact that it's all Greek, yes. What else do you notice? There's no, there's no chapters. There's no... 
there's no real divisions at all, are there? There's just a whole lines and lines of, of just Greek letters. So the original manuscripts didn't have any spacing, didn't have any punctuation. So one of the first jobs for a translator is actually to put that spacing in, to actually work out where the words start and end. And then as the translator gets into the business of trying to translate the words, at the same time, there's the issue of punctuation, which needs to be worked out, because it's not there. So our Bibles that we read from uh, look very different, don't they, to that? Just a whole lines and lines of just letters that need to be kind of worked out, separated, interpreted, punctuated. And that, that business of punctuation sometimes becomes very important. And that brings us back to Mark chapter 4, verse 24. So this is, as I say, this is how the NIV has it. Consider carefully what you hear, Jesus said. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So as I say, in this version, Jesus is teaching his disciples and apparently saying, in essence, the world is unfair, get used to it, learn to play the game, otherwise the system will crush you. Not very encouraging. But we could equally rewrite this text in this way. Watch out. Beware what you listen to. For example, quotes, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So just by changing the punctuation, Jesus is saying something very different. He's not saying, this is what I want you to understand, to accept, to believe. He's saying the opposite. He's saying, watch out for this kind of thinking. Don't be taken in by this. Don't play the game. There is an alternative. Which sounds much more encouraging and much more in keeping with what we read in the rest of this chapter of Mark's Gospel. Because it might seem as if we're just saying, well, yeah, perhaps we could do that with any part of the Bible. We can change it around so that it doesn't, it's not as uncomfortable. Um, and we can make the Bible much easier to read. But there are lots of indications to suggest that this is actually what Jesus meant. Because firstly, that word that's translated in the NIV as consider carefully really means, uh, and is translated elsewhere in Mark's Gospel, as watch out. So in chapter 8, for example, Jesus says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. In other words, watch out for that mindset, that teaching that comes from the Pharisees, that, that way of thinking that comes from the Pharisees and, and, and Herod and all that, that religious apparatus. Watch out, don't be taken in. Elsewhere, chapter 12, chapter 13, Jesus uses that same word in that same way as a warning. And secondly, if we look at the surrounding context, so we've already read the, the verses just before this part where, where Jesus is saying that the truth of the kingdom of God is available to all. It's meant to be available to all. It's not meant to be this kind of restricted, closed thing where if you know how to play the game, you're okay, but if you don't, you're out. The truth is meant to be revealed. And then following on from this passage, we get these little parables of, of seed and sowers. Parables and, and pictures which, which are designed to give us hope to believe that things can be different. And then the parable of the sower itself, which uh, comes at the beginning of Mark chapter 4. You may remember in the parable of the sower, one of the things that limits and impedes the growth of the, the crop 
is the lure of wealth, the trappings of wealth. It seems highly unlikely that having told that story, Jesus then says, well, actually, that's just the way the world is, so you better play the game. doesn't seem likely. And even the parable itself is interesting in that it, it paints a picture of someone living, in, living on the breadline, a peasant farmer, sowing his seed, desperately hoping and praying that there will be enough of a crop that will be able to pay off his massive debt to the, tenant, to the landowner and still have enough left to feed his family. That's the life that's being pictured here, one of poverty, one of life on the breadline. But the outcome of the story is this bumper crop, this amazing harvest. Such an amazing harvest, in fact, that if any peasant farmer had this kind of yield from their crops, they would be able to buy themselves out of slavery. And so even though the story itself isn't about that, it's, it's kind of painting this picture of a world where, the, where those who are poor can find a way out of their poverty, where the system doesn't crush everybody. So the whole context suggests that Jesus is saying, don't get drawn into this. Don't believe this. Don't just take this on board. There is an alternative. There is a different way of thinking and different way of living. So Mark chapter 4 encourages us to ask the question what if the rich don't have to get richer what if things can change what if we don't have to give in to cynicism and despair and this chapter in in, in mark's gospel mark chapter 4 sort of holds intention the realism of of life on the breadline, but also hope that things can be different but how does it work out for us it's one thing to believe that things can be different, to choose not to simply shrug our shoulders, but how does it work out in practice? What difference does it make? So what for us? And I guess that one of the reasons why we can become indifferent or cynical to, 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 to the kind of the stories that we hear and, and, and about the system which enables a few to get obscenely rich while others struggle to survive, one of the reasons that we can kind of fall into that, that sense of despair is that we do feel powerless, as Joe said, that we feel that there's, there's nothing we can do. And, and, and I guess at a certain level, when we think about the grand picture of the kind of the economic system of the world, yeah, we're probably not going to change that, you and I. There is something there which is so big that, that no one person, no one nation, no one organization can say, oh, we're going to do things differently. The whole thing is so has kind of taken on a life of its own. So there is a sense in which we have to live within it, but that doesn't mean that things can't be different. That doesn't mean that we just give in and give up. There are some questions that we can ask. And so I want to suggest some more what-if questions for us this morning. And these are, I'm sure you've probably, you probably could come up with some better questions, but these are just some things to think about, to think about how it is that we might change things in the way that we can, not in the way that we can't. Some questions to think about. What if my convenience and comfort isn't the most important thing? What if finding the cheapest price isn't everything? What if we understood that nothing really comes for free? We get used to that, don't we? Particularly if we're looking for information or 
we want to find an app on the internet. We get kind of affronted if we have to pay a couple of quid to download something. We just expect it to be free, but why should we? Somebody's produced that. What if we learn more about the producers of the goods that we consume? So there was more of a connection between supply and demand, rather than us just thinking about products that make our life a bit better. Chad Myers, in, in the book that we've been using to kind of help us a little bit through this series, talks about, about this and, and reflecting on the little parables that follow this passage. He, he talks about sowing the seeds of the new order in the midst of the old. Sowing the seeds of the new order in the midst of the old. And that's what this is about. And those parables that follow encourage us to believe that those seeds will grow. And sometimes those seeds grow into something which is, goes way beyond anything we could imagine. So some what-if questions. But another what-if question too, which I think is also important... What if we understood that we are those who are rich? And one of the issues, I think, for us in grounding this is that we tend to think of the super-rich, don't we? The, the, the Bezos, the Zuckerberg, the Gates, and all these other people. And as Joan said, they're living in a different world. That, that's so far removed from our experience. We think, well, what on earth could we do? That, that just isn't how life is for us. And so we tend to think perhaps of the rich getting richer, we think of other people. But what about if it says something to us as well? What if it actually, the question is, well, what if we don't have to get richer? Some more questions to think about. What if we no longer expected to upgrade our houses, our jobs, our cars? What if we intentionally practiced contentment? asking for daily bread and no more? What if we actively pursued simplicity in place of acquisition? What if grace became the model for our use of wealth? In other words, what if we saw all that we have as a gift to be shared with others? And it seems to me that we can't avoid seeing ourselves as wealthy, however hard life might be at times. And that awareness then raises some difficult questions perhaps for us as well. But I think the point is not that we feel guilt in all of this. It's very easy, I think, when we think about this to just end up feeling guilty. Um, but I think what, what Jesus wants for us, what God wants for us, is not that sense of guilt, but a sense of gratitude because guilt tends to paralyze. Gratitude provokes action. It leads us to do things, to live differently. It's a very different motivation. And really, that's what the gospel is about, isn't it? It's about learning to live not from a place of guilt, but from a place of gratitude, knowing that we are loved and cared for and valued. And doesn't life look different if we really believe that? And so some what-if questions for us to think about, which, as I say, maybe are challenging, but hopefully will not just leave us feeling bad, but will enable us to, to see perhaps some ways in which we could plant some of those seeds of the new order in the midst of the old. 
And just to finish with, I want to just uh, share some words from Richard Raw. And I think this is just a really good thing to remember just as we, as we look through these stories of Jesus, not just today, but as, whenever we read uh, stories from the Gospels. I think this is a very profound insight. Jesus' words must be seen as descriptive, what is possible, much more than prescriptive, what must be done. He is always describing and thus inviting his listeners into a big, inclusive life of love, which he calls the reign of God. It's an invitation to discover life. Shall we pray together? Let's pray. Father, as we've reflected for a few moments on this huge topic this morning, with all the various emotions and thoughts and feelings that it generates within us, we want, first of all, Lord, to thank you for all your blessing, to recognize that however tough life might be at times, Lord, that you have blessed us in so many ways. Lord, we acknowledge that all that we have comes from you. And we thank you for your blessing and we ask that you would enable us to be so full of that sense of gratitude that our lives change as a result of that. Help us to see how it is that we can sow some of those seeds of the new order in the midst of the old. How we can take those little steps that will make a difference at least to our lives, to our families, to our neighbours perhaps. And who knows whether one of those seeds will become that mustard plant, that tree that grows, provides shelter for the birds of the air. Help us to see what that looks like for us. We pray for those who live in poverty, those who just feel that life is hard because they don't know where the next meal is coming from. They don't know how they're going to meet their bills. We pray for them that they might find hope and we pray that you would help us where the opportunity arises to be bringers of hope. We pray for the work of the pantry here and for all the other things that happen out of this building which in one way or another, seek to bring hope to those in need. We pray too for those who are wealthy, for ourselves, but for those who are the super wealthy, the super rich, those who have money beyond our imagining. We can't imagine what that's like, but we pray for them. We ask that you'd enable them to find some sense of responsibility, I guess, in the way that they use their wealth that they too would be able to discover what it means to live in a healthy relationship with money, with possessions, with property. And Lord, we just ask that you'd help us to respond to your invitation to live differently. Amen. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.